Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's uh, begin today. We'll look at some things concerning <clears throat> healing. Hallelujah. And uh, we want to uh, we're deal with this uh, subject today, the price of a broken body. And uh, we want to begin over here in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. And we'll, we'll begin there for a reason because... Uh, The, uh, the truths in the Word of God, they, uh, especially concerning redemption, the redemptive truths, um, they, you never get, obviously, a full faith, full faith with one hearing, but uh, they're designed to constantly be fed upon. Uh, Brother Hagen would make a statement concerning uh, the renewing of the mind, and he would say, uh, your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. You've got to get up every day and, uh, and renew your mind, comb your hair, remind yourself uh, of the truth of what the Word of God has to say concerning uh, redemptive truths. And primarily in the context of what we deal with in these sessions, the, the healing power of God, healing in our, in our bodies. Um, because you can't rely on something that you knew to help you in a current situation. It's got to be something you know. I have to know it. It's not what I knew. It's what I know. Uh, you know, you may run into somebody that you went to school with and you used to know them, you knew them. Uh, but maybe you haven't seen them in a number of years. Well, you knew them, but you don't know them because there's a separation. And so it's, it's not the word that I knew, it's the word that I know. It's that word that's updated consistently in my life. And 2 Peter 1 and 12, uh, the Apostle Peter wrote, and notice he said, uh, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. And he says, though you know them and are established in the present truth. Uh, the Weiss Bible says, I intend to be reminding you concerning these things even though you know them. Well, I echo that. I intend to be reminding you concerning these things, even though you know them. All right? Uh, in uh, the book of Philippians chapter 3. And verse 1. The apostle Paul wrote, and, uh, of course, he's writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And then he said, Notice, to write the same things to you, to me, is not grievous, but for you it's safe. For you it is safe. And uh, now I say that because he, he uses that word grievous. It, it means irksome, I-R-K-S-O-M-E, irksome. Uh, you know, something that is like, why is he doing that again? And Paul said, it's not grievous to me. And he said, notice, for you it's safe. And that word safe, it means to be certain or secure or firm. So what does that mean? Hearing the same thing over and over again, hearing redemptive truth again and again keeps me secure. It keeps me safe. All right, so that being said, 
Let's go to the book of Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Healing was purchased in the process of redemption. It was purchased in the process of redemption. And Isaiah 53, verse 4, and we'll read down through verse 5. Young's literal translation says, Surely our sicknesses has he borne, and our pains he's carried them. And we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. And he is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his bruise there is healing to us. By his bruise there is healing to us. Another translation, the the Leeser translation, Isaac Leeser translation, says he was despised and shunned by men, a man of pains and acquainted with disease. A man of pains and acquainted with disease. And notice it says, and as one who hid his face from us was he despised, and we esteemed him not, but only our diseases did he bear himself, and our pains he carried, while we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, yet he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement for our peace, or needful for our peace, was upon him, and through his bruises was healing granted to us. Through his bruises was healing granted to us. Now, if you go back back through those verses and you just look at the different times, it says uh, uh, things like our sicknesses he bore, our pain he carried. Uh, It makes statements, uh, he was pierced for our transgressions. Uh, Redemptive truths have a lot of that phraseology in there. For us, carried our, all right, became so we could become, over and over again. And so what Isaiah is laying out, looking forward to the cross, is that there was coming a day that Jesus, of course, would come into the earth and that our sicknesses he would bear. All right, now, Anything that Jesus bore, he bore as our redeemer to redeem us from it. And that, that, that's why it's important that you look at redemption as that package. Because anything that he bore for me, anything that was mine. Now, notice, it was yours. It's not yours because he bore what was yours. He bore what was yours and made what was yours his. You know, Jesus had to become sin. He didn't sin. He had to become sin. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says that God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He became that. So He bore our sin, He bore our sicknesses, and our pain. It was ours, but it's not ours. Right? Anything you call yours, you're calling it by virtue of ownership. That's mine, I, my whatever, all right? Well, if it became Jesus and he paid the price for it, it's no longer mine. Amen. And notice, uh, 
it says the chastisement needful for our peace. Well, you know, when, when a person thinks peace, they think absence of turmoil. That's part of peace. But peace is wholeness, completeness. And, and I say this so you'll see the redemptive truth. So a person that's just living with sickness has no peace because they're not whole. The world and religion, what do they say? Just learn to live with it. Just deal with it. I don't have to deal with it because Jesus dealt with it. And notice, so he says the chastisement that was necessary. So there was a level of chastisement that was needful to produce peace. And the Bible says right here in Isaiah 53, the chastisement necessary for our peace was laid on him. So that means wholeness was bought. Completeness was paid for. We read it in the Leaser translation. It says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. The chastisement for our wholeness was upon him. There was no one any more whole than Jesus. He was completely whole. But he became broken for us so that we could partake of his wholeness. Everything that Jesus partook of, he partook and became like us so we could become like him. And that sounds so simple and so elementary in our circles, but yet if I, if I don't understand that completely, I don't walk in all of it. Because when he became broken, it was so I could be whole. And I don't want that brokenness to be for nothing. Amen. I don't want him to have become broken, right? There are people in church that they weep and cry over the fact that Jesus went to the cross. There's no weeping and crying over the cross. Jesus hasn't been in pain for over 2,000 years. There's no weeping and crying. There's a place of victory for us. Hallelujah. So this is the essence of redemption. And notice again, it says that he was a man of pains and acquainted with disease. You could say acquainted with your disease. Because Jesus was never sick. That, now that doesn't mean he didn't have to overcome the things that people have to overcome. But he was not sick. But notice. And it says, our disease did he bear. Our pains he carried. Now that's a faith point there. Because you'll hear people say things like, well, my migraine, uh, my blood sugar, uh, my this, my that. It was yours, but somebody else took ownership of it and paid the price for it. You can't pay the price for something you don't own. Right? No, no one in here is going to pay my house note. You, you know why? Because your name's not on the, on the title. You don't own the home. I own the home. Right? It's important. Because it says that he bore our disease and our pain he carried. Well, he was paying the price for our sickness and our disease. So what does that mean? I don't have to pay the price for it anymore. Hallelujah. 
There are four words that the Bible uses for redemption in the New Testament. And each of them describe an aspect of redemption. And when you combine the different aspects of uh, redemption, you see a complete picture of our freedom. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. See, that's why many believers will resist sin, but they don't resist sickness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And, and they, they make up, people make up real religious phrases for it. My cross to bear. Uh, just something that I got to deal with. You know, I mean, uh, uh, when, I, when I get to heaven, I won't be like this anymore. You know, I think that a lot of people, when they get to heaven, they're going to find out what they didn't have to live with. I'm not saying you. I'm saying people, religious people in general. They're going to get to heaven and, and find out what a price was paid. Amen. And, but, you know, you are right. I, I'll even hear people say this. Well, I'll either get healed or healed in heaven. You're not going to get healed in heaven. You won't be sick in heaven. There's no healing in heaven. Jesus isn't walking down the gold street laying hands on people. Nobody's sick. Oh, Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. Notice it says, You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The first of those four words is this word, agorizo, A-G-O-R-I-D-Z-O, A-G-O-R-I-D-Z-O. It's a technical term. And what it means is this. It was used to describe the marketplace. The marketplace. And more specifically, it was used to describe the slave market. Where uh, people would go to purchase, men and women, uh, to work in their homes and, and purchase slaves. And, and here's the thing. When they, when they would go to purchase these men and women and, and young boys and young girls, especially at that time, that person had no worth. They had no value. All right, the Bible says, remember the Bible says you were slaves to sin, right? He uses this word bought. You are bought with a price and this word agorizo describes the condition that we were in we were in the marketplace of sin we were in the marketplace of destruction we were in the marketplace of the curse there was nothing you could do about it right you had no value you had no worth satan was your lord and your master he cared nothing for you Right? But then Jesus came into the earth, and the Bible says he bought you. Whew. Right? Jesus had to come into the earth and become a man and become a human being so that he could enter into the slave market of sin and pay the price and buy us out of that slavery. Hallelujah. The Amplified Bible says, you were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, made his own. You were bought with a price. And we'll get into this more. And, and here's the thing. It was the highest possible price. And people will say, well, yeah, it was, it was the life of Jesus. But understand what, why that's so important. One of the words that we're going to look at details that. 
if a person, if a, a, one of the, the, the market tenders, if he knew that you had a particular, that this person had a particular interest in this servant or this uh, woman or this man or, or this slave, and he knew you had an interest in that person, he would intentionally drive the price up. And if you really wanted to purchase that individual, you would pay the price that was necessary. What that means is that Satan drove the price up for our redemption and Jesus went all the way to the top and paid all the price to redeem us. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. So your body and your spirit are bought. Now, why is that important? Because... That means that you can tell the devil, you can't just put anything on me because I'm paid for by the blood of Jesus. I don't belong to you. I belong to Christ. Oh, hallelujah. So bought in that passage means to purchase, to set a person free through purchase. To set a person free. Free from what? Anything that he paid to free you from. The second word, we'll look at Galatians 3. The second word is the same word, agorizo, except it has the prefix ex on the front. Ex agorizo. And Galatians 3, and a familiar scripture, but uh, verse 13, and it says, Christ, here's this word, hath redeemed us. That's the word ex agorizo. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written... Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Hallelujah. This word, when it says redeemed us, it conveys the idea of removal. Removal. And here's what's so powerful about it. It signifies the purchase of a, of a person in order to permanently set them free. Never to be put on the slave block again. Never. We see an Old Testament picture of this. When God told the prophet Hosea, he said, I want you to go and I want you to take a wife of, 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 uh, of this uh, wicked group of people. And you remember he went and he married the woman named Gomer. I mean, what a name. And, and he went and married the woman named Gomer. And the Bible says that uh, he came and, and, of course, they were married and they ended up having children. And then Gomer went away and it says she went and began to commit whoredom. And God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back down where she's being offered on the slave block and I want you to buy her back and bring her home and make her your own. That's a picture of the human race. That's a picture of you and I. We were bought. We were bought in the beginning. God created us. God loved us. God made us his own. We went into sin. We went into slavery. We went into bondage. But God sent his son to pay the price even though we were wrong. Even though we deserved to be where we were. He bought us back. And notice... He bought us back, set us free, and we'll never be put on that slave block again. What does that mean? If I know the redemptive truth, Satan cannot hold me in bondage ever again. Your days of lording over me are done. Amen. That's why I've got to remind myself of this consistently. No, 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 wait a minute, I'm free from that. The price has been paid. 
Symptoms may persist, but that does not mean that you've not been made free. I, I used to, uh, and, and, and still do, uh, and, and we'll get back into it. I used, used to minister a lot in the jails and, and in, the, in the prison. And I would always use this as an example. I would say, you know, mo- most of the guys would come to class and they were all in orange jumpsuits. And I would say, I would say, you know, when you go home, are you free? And they would say, yeah, I'm, I'm free. When I go home, I'm free. And I would say, well, how silly would somebody think you were if you get set free, you get out of here, and you go home and you purchase an orange jumpsuit and you sit on your couch and somebody comes by and says, hey, do you want to go out and get something to eat? I can't go out and get anything to eat because it's not chow time. Where you're free, you can go eat whenever you want. What are you doing sitting there in that orange jumpsuit? Well, I'm a convict. I'm a prisoner. But you're home, you're free. Right? How silly would that be? They're, 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 and, and I'm not saying somebody's silly if they're dealing with something. I'm saying that's got to be my mindset. Wait a minute. I'm sitting here on the couch in a spiritual orange jumpsuit and I've been set free. My freedom has been bought for me. It, it has been removed. I can't, I can't be put back on that auction block again. And where people miss it is the symptoms persist and they think that the symptoms mean that they haven't received. When did you receive healing? When did you receive freedom? Over 2,000 years ago when Jesus died. I'm not going to receive it when all the symptoms are gone. I've already received it. Seven billion people on this planet and the price for salvation and victory has been paid for every one of them. That the price is paid. All they have to do is get out of the orange jumpsuit and walk out into freedom. That's all they've got to do is walk out. It's all, it's all been removed. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? And, and if it's been removed, I, I, don't want, I don't want to walk in something that's been removed. And, and here's what the enemy does is he teaches people religious tradition and it keeps them bound it it always bothers me when i hear people talk about how jesus can set you free from sin jesus and and you know here's the thing Uh, i know you've seen sin in the sense that you have sinned but you've never seen the power of sin because you can't see sin you can see sinful actions but you can't see sin Just like people will walk outside, the wind's blowing today, and they'll say, oh, look at the wind. You can't see the wind. You've never seen the wind in your life. Oh, I have too. No, you haven't. You've seen the trees blowing in the wind. You've seen the effects of the wind. You've seen the effects of sin, but you've never seen sin. And people will preach, Jesus can set you free from any sin. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how long you've been doing it. If you'll just come to the altar and and ask Him to forgive you, He'll immediately free you and immediately set you free. And that's absolutely true. But then when they talk about healing, that's in the same package, that's in the same same basket. It, it, It deals with that same market mentality. We don't know about that. Nothing's too hard for God, but He may not want to heal you. See, because you can't say nothing's too hard for God and then say He can't heal. So you've got to decide if somebody doesn't get healed, it was because God didn't want to heal them. Because you can't say God can't heal because you say out of your mouth, there's nothing God can't do. Right? So then if you tell somebody, well, God can't heal, or God doesn't heal, mm -mm. it's if God can save anybody, and He can, and He will, then God can heal anybody, and He will. Because the price, I've I've heard people say, you know, 
How in the world can you go out there and live in sin after the price that was paid for you? Here's a question. How can you get comfortable with sickness after the price that was paid for you? I mean, you fight it all the way. You, every person in here, fight, you will fight sin 100%. A thought to get mad at somebody or, or to, to walk in unforgiveness or whatever may come into your mind. You say, nope, that's not, I walk in love in the name of Jesus. Boy, you'll rise up against that and fight it because you've been redeemed from that. You're not a sinner. You're saved. Same, same, same procedure has to be when sickness tries to come. No, I'm healed in Jesus' name. Far too high a price was paid for my health for me to stay sick. Amen. And if symptoms persist, it doesn't change anything. It's still been removed. Oh, glory. So I was bought with a price. I'm permanently set free. Permanently. Uh, hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Peter 1. The third word is this word letru. L-U-T-R-O-O. Letru. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, we're talking about this word redeemed. You are not redeemed with corruptible things. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. This word means a captive set free by the payment of a ransom. A captive set free by the payment of a ransom. In the Garden of Eden, Satan effectively hijacked and kidnapped the human race. I, I understand that Adam walked into it with his eyes wide open and, and disobeyed God and did what he did willingly. But, but Satan kidnapped the human race. He hijacked the human race. And in light of that, a ransom had to be paid. Somebody had to pay the price. And Peter reminds us of something. Our redemption, he reminds us, was not free. I've told people in the past, they, they talk about, you know, grace and law, and, 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 I understand, and we're not under law, we're under grace, I understand that, but also understand that grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. I mean, it doesn't mean I can just live however I want. Grace is the power and the ability to live above sin. But the point is, is, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to people about that before, and, and they'll say, well, you know, and they'll just act like it's no big deal. Well, you know, but it's all by grace. My salvation didn't cost me anything, but it cost somebody everything. Amen. It cost somebody everything. If something is valuable to you, it becomes valuable to me, or it should. Right? If the price that was paid was so high and so extremely expensive, it should matter to me. Amen. And he reminds us that it was not free. It was extremely expensive. And what were we made free from? Satan's power. Satan's power. He says you are not redeemed with corruptible things. This is that word. This is that word we were talking about, ransom. What a high price. A higher price than anybody will ever pay. And Jesus willingly stepped up and said, I'll pay that price. 
There was no negotiation. You, you, got, you got to understand that. This is, this is something that a lot of, I don't hear a lot of people talk about. The devil held all the cards. Adam's transgression had put God as an outsider on the planet he created. There was no way for man to get to God because man had separated himself and the enemy knew that. And so when Jesus came into the earth, there was only one acceptable price, the death of the Redeemer. That was it. And he knew that from the foundation of the world. He knew that before time was. The, the, the book of Psalms, quoting Jesus, and Paul quoted it later in the book. Well, I believe Paul in the, the book of Hebrews quotes it. And, it's, and it says that, that Jesus said to the Father, sacrifice and burnt offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared me. Here I, I, I'm here in the volume of the book. It speaks of me. Here I am. Send me. So all of those things, and, and we understand that, but, but think about that. What was that doing? That was preserving people's relationship with God year to year. The sin was forgiven, but the consciousness of sin could never be done away with. That's what the Bible says. And that's why Hebrews says that when you receive the blood of Jesus, that the blood of Jesus not only saves you, it purges your conscience from sin so you can serve the living God. So every year that sacrifice is made and the sin is forgiven, but the consciousness is not cleared. In other words, in the consciousness, the man was still a captive. He couldn't be free from it. The power of sin had him captive. And there had to be a sacrifice that once and for all broke every chain, shattered every fetter, and set people free. Hallelujah. Because even though the sin was forgiven, they were not free from it. Jesus' blood not only forgave sin, it set you free from the power of sin and everything that was associated with it. There was no sickness until there was sin. There was no poverty until there was sin. When sin came into the earth, sickness came into the earth. Disease came into the earth. Poverty came into the earth. Because sickness is separ sin is, is separation from God. Sin is to miss the mark. When Jesus came into the earth with no sin and did not sin, He perfectly kept the law for all of us. He hit the bullseye every time so that my failures would not stop me from being able to be made free. Hallelujah. And so we, we've said this over and over again. Jesus took the test for all of us and scored 100% and we get His score. Amen. I've had people say, well, that sounds like cheating. On earth, that's cheating. In heaven, it's called grace. But, but notice what I have to do. I have to recognize that it cost Him Everything. Hallelujah. And that and that and, and understand this. That's why when you when you teach and preach these things, you've got to be cautious because there's no shame in dealing with a sickness or dealing with a disease. We live in a fallen earth. All right? It's it's out there. It will try to attack your body. But because it's tried to attack your body, don't you accept it? Don't you own it? Don't you call it yours. The price is paid to make you free. You're free. Amen. Ooh, glory to God. <laughs> so it was extremely expensive to set us free. And Satan drove the price up. It, it, the price, let me say this. Lord, help me say it right. The transgression was so great that it would take the death of a perfect man to set us free. 
And what makes the, the, the redemption so complete was he did it willingly. Now, very often we think he willingly went to the cross. He did. And he also willingly did not accept the escape route he could have taken. Because the Father didn't make him come. He asked him to come. Jesus volunteered. You know, in, in World War II, they asked a gentleman one time, I, I believe he's passed away by now, uh, but they asked him. Uh, they had taken a, a beach in uh, Normandy and, and some other places, and uh, the, the, the casualties were just horrific. And they asked this man, they said, well, uh, when you signed up, did you know that was a suicide mission? He said, of course, we all did. That Boy, that struck me. That struck me. And, and I thought immediately about some people in the generation that, that we live in. And, and I, think, I think they wouldn't do the same thing. Because the price, self-preservation, would speak louder than victory. Jesus had no ideas of self-preservation. He said, I came in. When he stood before Pilate, and Pilate was talking to him, Jesus said, for this cause I was born. Think about that. He's in the garden, and he's praying. Am I helping you with this? And he's, and he's praying, and, and at that moment, he's faced with, of course, death on the cross. But here's what was the problem, the biggest problem. Carrying the weight of the sin of every person in the earth at that time and every person that would ever be born. If the world lasts another thousand years, Jesus carried the weight of the sin of every person that was ever born or ever will be born. And, and that's why you'll hear people say Jesus paid for the sins past, present, and future. He did. Now, 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 now you got to repent. If you sin today, you need to repent. But you, you understand, it's paid for. And in the garden, he's facing that prospect. And, and he prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Prayed that prayer three times. Matthew says he had to pray that prayer three times. And people say, well, you know, that was just, that was just, you know, uh, that, that was Jesus praying for us. No, it wasn't. That was Jesus praying for Jesus. But here's what I want you to see. <laughs> After that first time praying, he could have got up and said it's too great of a price. After all, they did this to themselves. Don't they kind of deserve what they get? But no, he got up went and talked to the disciples, and came back. And Luke says he was writhing in agony. It says, remember in Luke, it says, being in agony, he prayed. He was writhing on the ground. He was wallowing on the ground in such pain of body and soul and mind. For what reason? Because he knew what was going to happen, but the price that he was paying was going to set us free, not just from sin, from the effects of sin, from the curse. Amen. And what was his response every time? Not my will, but your will. Hallelujah. The third time, it was settled. He, he could have left any time. He told Pilate, you remember this, and, and it's something, you know, that, that, that people overlook sometimes, I think. He told Pilate, he said, uh, he said, Pilate said, are you a king? And he said, if I was a king, my servants would fight for me. He meant natural king. And then he looked at Pilate and he said, I could call. Right? 
Now think about that. Why would he say that if that hadn't been a thought? If it wasn't already established, if you want to be delivered, I'll send ever how many angels I have to to set you free. He said, I could call 10,000 angels and they would deliver me from you. But he was there to pay the ransom price. So not only was the price paid, it was paid by a willing payee. Amen. The, uh, the, the fourth word, the fourth word, 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. Oh, glory. It says, who in his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree that we being dead to sins might live unto righteousness by whose stripes... You were healed. You were healed. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Notice it says this. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, But of him are you in Christ. Of him are you in Christ, who is made unto us righteousness, Uh, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. This word redemption is the word apolytrosis. That's A-P-O-L-L-U-T-R-O-S-I-S. A-P-O-L-L-U-T-R-O-S-I-S. And this word means back, as in something that is being returned Back, something that's being returned back. So it lets us know that he paid the ransom to return us to the state that we were in before the captivity began. And that, and of course, that that does mean in perfect right standing with God, but it also means the state you were in before that sickness attacked your body. Think about that. So, so what does that mean? That you're not just going to be better. You're going to be back to a state of wholeness. Amen. I heard a preacher preaching the other night. And, and he was talking about when Jesus uh, healed the blind man. And the blind man said, well, I see trees as men as trees walking. And, and he preached a very eloquent sermon on, on how you may not be where you want to be, but at least you're better. God did, Jesus didn't die to make you better. He died to make you whole. You know, I read in the book of Jeremiah this morning, and it was talking about God speaking to his people, and he said, I am the God of recompense. And the Lord said to us about 2022, he said, it will be a year of recompense. And he said, it will be a year where you get paid back for all the suffering you've endured. Now, I don't know how you could put an amount on it, but ever what it costs you, that's coming back. And that's all contained in this word, redemption. Whew. Now, 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 here's the thing. The devil's not going to put it back. It's just coming back because it belongs to you. Oh, hallelujah. What, whatever's been lost, strength, mobility, uh, uh, wholeness, hair, it's coming back. People say, well, how is that? God... The Bible says that the hairs of our head are numbered. And if a certain number have fallen out, the Bible says that one hair cannot fall out that God doesn't know it. And he knows what number it is and he knows how many fell out so he knows how many need to come back. That's important. <laughs> he knows what you lost that caused you to be where you're at and he knows how to put it back. Oh, hallelujah. 
People say, well, I've lost the function of this. He knows what caused the loss of function, and he knows how to put it back. It's contained in this word. Apolotrosis, to put back. So everything that we lost, isn't this wonderful? I, 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 sometimes I struggle to put it into words, but, but I will do it in the name of Jesus. People talk about God saving us, and we should never lose sight of that. He did. He gave us something called salvation, but in salvation, He gave us back everything we lost. You didn't just lose salvation in the sense of sin. Everything that was attached to it, we lost, and He saved us and gave that all back to us. So even if it seems like in our physical body something has been lost, what you lost is still there and God's going to give it back to you. Mm, hallelujah. Isn't that great? So His body was exchanged for our sin. His stripes were exchanged for our healing. I think that's so important. You know, if you get something maybe for Christmas or a birthday or something of that nature, and it doesn't fit or it's the wrong color or whatever, what do you do? You go and you, you don't just throw it away. You do what? You go exchange it. For what? For what you want. Right? You might be dealing with something in your body that you don't want today. Just go exchange it. You're exchanging it. You're here learning the process of exchange. Hallelujah. And you can do that. See, you can do that on your own. You can say, you can say right out loud in your home or wherever you're at, Father, right now I exchange this sickness for my healing. I exchange it. And people say, does that work? I, well, I, you tell me. What's the scripture say? Right? Well, we, we sing songs like that. I've traded my shackles for a glorious crown. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. Well, I've traded my shackles for a crown. Then what's wrong with saying, I've traded my sickness for His healing? Because it all should have happened at the same exchange point. But what religion teach us? Just religion taught me. Pentecostal religion taught me. Some, some of y'all Baptist religion taught you. And thank God for the Baptist. Amen. If it wasn't for the Baptist, half the world wouldn't be saved. But, but, but here, here's, here's the point. What happened? What, why, why wasn't that taught? It can be for any number of reasons. But it needs to be taught when you exchanged your sin for His salvation, you exchanged your sickness for His healing. I'm, I'm almost done. I get into this and I get excited a little bit. In 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 23 and 24, remember Jesus, the Apostle Paul said, I've taught you what I have received of the Lord that the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Now think about that. Ever what you may be dealing with, it's a brokenness. Now take that back to Isaiah 53. The chastisement needful to obtain wholeness was on him. And Jesus said in the upper room, he said, this is my body. He broke the bread. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Well, what does that mean? The word for, it's broken for you. You don't have to be broken because my body was broken for you. Right? 
If, if, if somebody came in and gave you something that you really had desired, and you said, oh, thank you, what do I owe you? Nothing, I bought it for you. Well, what does that mean? There was a transaction. There was a transaction point. They took of what was valuable to them and paid for what you needed. And you get to wear it, drive it, live in it, whatever it is, and it costs you nothing. But you recognize the price that was paid. It was done for you. And that's why you answer those symptoms. No, Jesus carried that for me. He paid for my pain with His pain. I don't have to carry pain because He carried it for me. Amen. The story Brother Hagin tells about the man that was, was with the group and they were holding one of the dirigibles back in the 30s and a, and a gust of wind came along and, and took that airship up in the air and he said all those soldiers were caught on those ropes and many of them fell and got hurt and two or three of them died. And he said that thing went way up in the air and they saw one guy and he was just holding on. And they thought, surely, you know, anytime. He's up there an hour, then an hour and a half, two hours. And they thought anytime he's going to fall and, and it's just going to kill him. But, you know, eventually after about a couple hours, they got him up in the gondola of that thing and, and came down and, and moored it to a tower. And they ran an ambulance out there and thought, we got to get him to the doctor because surely he's just give out. Boy, he just got out of that gondola and was just, everything was great. They said, how in the world did you hold on? He said, I didn't hold on. They said, what do you mean? He said, well, it got so high up there, I, I, I saw I can't, I can't let go. So he said, I had a long piece of rope. I just wrapped it around me and tied a knot in it and just, it held me. It held me. I'm not doing this in my own strength. I don't have to overcome this sickness. It's been overcome for me. I just got to put my trust in what he did. And that's what you're doing. When you say that has been paid for, you're saying, I'm not trying to pay for this anymore. It's mine. I have it. Oh, hallelujah. Woo. Let, let, let me share one. Can I share one last with you? John 6, 51. Remember when they uh, left Egypt, the Lord, the, the Father told Moses, He said, you tell the people to eat all of the Passover lamb. Don't let anything remain till morning. Eat all of it. In John 6, verse 51, notice Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews, therefore, strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said unto them, Truly I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Why? My flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Now here's something interesting. In verse 51, he says, if any man eat of this bread. The word eat there means to devour or consume. Devour or consume. Verse 58, this is the bread, and he says, He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. This word eat means to chew with emphasis, to slow the process. So there's two different aspects here. This verse 51 is referring to being born again. You eat of this bread and you're going to live forever. 
verse 58 is this constant eating. It expresses the idea of spiritually feeding on Christ constantly. And verse 58 uses the two verbs in contrast. We honor the Lord. We, we, we eat of His body. We're born again. But then we're constantly partaking of that bread of life. Now, why is this important? We honor in our thought life and our faith life the price of the broken body. How? By receiving the healing he purchased for us. There was a, a minister named A.B. Simpson. A.B. Simpson. And uh, he eventually founded the, uh, the uh, uh, Church of the Brethren. And uh, uh, he was a pastor uh, many, many, many years ago. He's been in heaven a long time. Uh, but he was just a young man, 26, 27. And uh, he had a horrible heart condition. And... Uh, 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 the doctors had told him, uh, you can't climb stairs or hills or anything. You'll, you might just die. And uh, so, uh, you know, he, uh, he took some time off. He pastored a large church in New England. And he took some time off and he had a farm up there. And he went to that farm and he just took two weeks. And his story, his autobiography, he relates. He said, I was sitting out under a tree, leaned against a tree one day. And he said, I had been studying about the fact that Jesus was a healer. And he made the statement, he said, I had taken two weeks and looked every scripture I could up about healing. And he said, I came to a conclusion. And he said, I took out a piece of paper and a pencil and I wrote on that paper, Lord Jesus, I choose today to receive you as my healer. You can receive Jesus as the Savior of your sins and not receive Him as your healer. You have to receive Him as your healer. And so, long story short, uh, uh, about two weeks after that, uh, he was invited to come and, and minister uh, at, a, uh, at a conference. And uh, they were having different people from Europe, I mean, almost royalty, we're coming over from Europe and going to be at this, this uh, uh, conference. And he said, as I got ready to minister, I was getting ready to minister, and the thought just uh, kept coming up to me uh, in his body, in his own body, talking about bearing our sickness. And he said, I just ministered, uh, you know, basically my testimony over what I'd seen over those last two weeks and how I was healed and my heart condition was healed. And uh, so he said, after the service, they all decided, well, let's go uh, mountain climbing. There was a, 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 a large mountain there where they were, maybe not large in comparison to, you know, the Rockies or something of that nature, but nonetheless, pretty high summit. And he said, so uh, we agreed to go. And he said, immediately, watch this, immediately, the enemy started talking to me. You know you can't climb mountains. The doctor told you not to climb stairs or hills or anything. You're, he said, you're going you're gonna to fall out and they're all going to know that you were lying. Now I say that to say this. He said, I had to constantly go back and put my mind on he bore my sickness and carried my disease. Amen. And he said, during that, during that trek, he said, at least 12 times, I had to go back and put my mind. Because he said, I would get my mind on the price that was paid and all the symptoms would leave. But then I'd get engaged in normal conversation and they'd all come back. This is that constantly feeding. And he said, by the time I got to the summit, every symptom was gone. And at the time he was writing that, he was in his 70s, mid-70s. And he said, to this day, I work 16, sometimes 18 hours a day. 
in my 70s. And he said, sometimes I don't get to go back to sleep. I just got to go the next day on the couple hours I have. Now, I'm not advocating that. But what I'm saying is he said, if I have to do it, I can do it. And I'm not. He was 20 some odd when he got healed. And he's in his mid 70s. And he said the symptoms never came back. But he said it was constantly feeding on the bread of life. And here's the thing. You can pull out the bread of life wherever you're at and eat on it wherever you're at. Amen. You don't have to say anything out loud. You can say under your breath, thank God he carried my diseases and bore my sicknesses. Amen. And I'll close with this. And, and you know, there's something to be said. You, you've got to tell authority. You know, when we, we talk about using our authority and people will say, well, you know, you got to use your authority against the devil. You do. But you use your authority against the works of the devil. Brother Hagin would say this. He'd say, if you, if you resist the works of the devil, you're resisting the devil. And just like you would, if, if you sensed a demonic presence in your home, you wouldn't just sit there and go, well, I'll just learn to live with it. You'd get up and rebuke it. You get out of here in Jesus' name. Right? It's the same way with our bodies. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are bought with a price. Amen? We are healed because we've been bought back and restoration is around the corner. I said something last night as we were closing the service in six days of faith. I said that the Lord had showed me that there's been people on like the frontage road. Now come from Texas, I know a lot about frontage roads because they go for a long way, all right? Especially in the big cities. Now I know we have frontage roads here too, but I'm saying you get around Dallas, you might be on the frontage road for two and a half miles and then there'll be, you can get on, on the the, the highway. But here's the thing. The speed limit on the frontage road is 50. The speed limit on the highway is 75. I can go faster on the highway than on the frontage road. There are people here this mo- today watching online, just like people were there last night. You're about to get off the frontage road and get on the highway And you're going to get where you want to go a lot quicker than you think. And I'm saying to you by the Holy Ghost, and you do whatever you want to do with it, this thing that's been plaguing you, it's going to go away a lot sooner than people think it will. I'm telling you, right now, Lord, I'll say that, right now your blood system is clearing up. It's clearing up right now. It's clearing up. Right now, the pieces are being put back together. Whatever's missing is being put back together, and it shall occur quicker than you think. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you today. Father, we praise you that we partake regularly of that bread of life, the living bread of the body of Jesus Christ. And, Father, we walk in our health. Thank you for our redemption. Thank you for our victory. In Jesus' name, amen.